0: Hello and welcome to the Talkcast Pod show, the number one show on the internet and your eighth evil ex. I'm Lenny Pator, and I am joined this week by the sexiest of demon hipsters, Kaiser Neko. Hey, I'm hearing noises, animal voices. The, the...
1: Creme de la I actually creme? don't know. The I, feminine yeah, abyss? I,
0: uh, st- staring at the truth till I'm blind. That's all... <laughs> Damn Look, it, man! Beck, Come on, you don't even know the Be- songs. I I know the songs, but they're written like a lot of the Sex Bobomb ones are written by Beck, and he makes <laughs> up a lot of words. And
1: yeah, no, I I I, I love I I actually love all of the songs from Scott Pilgrim, like all of them. Mm-hmm. But some of them make no fucking sense,
0: and I'm okay with that. Which they're, which they're not, which they're absolutely not supposed to. Nah, I, I would I wouldn't believe like so. They're, no. they're meant to invoke that uh, high school garage band kind of sound. But yeah, we're, we're here to talk about Scott Pilgrim. Uh, easily, easily top five favorite movies for me. Uh, potentially, I think your favorite. I think like the way you gush on about it. God
1: damn it. You know, I feel, okay. So um, as somebody who that film was aimed squarely toward at a time that it could only have possibly worked in I feel yeah, sort of the, bad it's, saying that it is one of my favorite, if not my favorite films of all time, but damn it, it might be. Well, if you
0: consider when it was released 10 years ago, uh, sometime within the last week here, uh, we were literally in that age range that like, you know, that 22 to 25 year old demographic that this uh, movie kind of depicts the young adult life's lives of.
1: <laughs> so oh it, it, it
0: really specifically for us hit at that exact right time.
1: Yeah, and it especially is a kind of well, like listless honestly, listless white guy in his early 20s. Yeah, it is a listless is a Artistic film. white guy. Yeah. It it really does, it I I read the comic first, um, quite specifically because one of my friends was like, yo, they're making a Scott Pilgrim movie, you really need to read the comic. And I'm like I can just watch the movie and read the comic. And he like he wasn't there physically, but he might as well have grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me as hard as he could and told me, "No, you need to read the comic first, you stupid idiot." So I read the comic first, and I'm really glad that I did. By the way, just getting it out there. And yeah, then the movie though, came even out. Even
0: though the comic was not, even though the entire graphic novel series was not finished at
1: the release. No, it was not. Which was kind of crazy. You don't get a lot of, uh, you don't get a lot of things coming out. You know, while. It's you know the thing that it's adapting itself from isn't finished. I mean, uh, okay, you get like some movies based off of a certain book, um, especially like you know, I I think is the Artemis Fowl series even over? I don't know. I think it's it's been over for a hot minute. Okay. I uh, no, you know you had you had Game of Thrones and look how yeah, that Game 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 <laughs> of, yeah
0: Game of Thrones. You, you don't usually get it successfully, nope. and th- this is where like a big part of Scott Pilgrim comes in. It is a four-part piece of media where every single piece is has its own identity, and it is all great. Yeah. I love every part of it. The comic series is amazing. I own uh, both the original just paperback black and whites, and I went out of my way to get the uh, special edition uh, full-color hardback re-releases when they were coming out. How you do. Which have a lot of... Yeah. Absolutely, which have a lot of really cool supplementary material in the back from the development. It's it's
1: awesome. I feel a little uh, bit bad because I haven't actually. So I I read through the entire comic in black and white. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually reread all of it in in color. I only reread like the first maybe two books in color, uh, and then I never actually sat down and reread all the like the other four. Is its it. Is it four? You're not. uh yeah, it's four. Let's
0: see. There 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 was 3 up until the movie released and then 4, 5 and 6 came out after the
1: movies. was. Released. Well, uh no, no. Um I believe they at least 4 was out by the time that the movie was in development. I think the 5th came out right before the movie did and the 6th hadn't. Okay, okay. That that's what I was thinking.
0: Yeah. Uh but then you have like so you have the comics which are amazing and then you have the movie which you know, you got it by, you got it directed by Edgar Wright who is an absolute master of action comedy and like easily my favorite
1: director. Edgar Wright is easily. my favorite director. Yeah. And like a lot of people will ask me what's your favorite this or favorite that and I will always wishwash but if you ever ask me who my favorite director is, it is Edgar Wright at the top every time. He is Edgar oh. Edgar Wright has nothing but bangers. Yeah. Nothing but. Like even his even his like worst film Like, if I had to call it his worst film, which is At World's End, is still good. The World's End, by the way. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. The World's End. And The World's End only suffers from just kind of having a twist that once you know the twist, it's like, okay, the twist was better as a surprise rather than it was as something that made the movie necessarily better.
0: But that being said... And yet, even that is, like, so definitively Edgar Wright. It's so full of his charm, so full of his nice little, little, tiny, nuanced touches, uh, his well-paced editing, his uh, amazing knack for comedic tempo. Oh, my God, right? That is, like, he is amazing. I've loved him since I, I, uh, like most people, I was initially introduced to him through Shaun of the Dead. Uh, Absolutely loved that. Was blown away by Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Uh then between that uh and the end of the Cornetto Trilogy which was The World's End came Scott Pilgrim which holy shit uh perfect movie at the perfect time uh which <clears throat> uh due to its poor box office performance is now considered a cult classic. Yep. But is
1: still a super high tier movie. Uh, movie. The World's had- End Yeah, it's good. It's good to note that while that movie did not do particularly well in box offices, it is still considered a success as a franchise because it the Blu-ray sales were apparently fantastic on the game sold incredibly well.
0: Yeah, that's I I was going to move on to that. Ooh, Uh, yes. Let's talk about in in my in my in my quadrilogy of how this uh, I'm actually not sure what the fourth one is. so I'm kind of curious what the fourth the soundtrack. Oh,
1: you know what? If you wanted to separate that, you know what? I would be okay. I with absolutely
0: it. would. It has an identity all its own. It, oh god it does. But yeah, let's talk because, about the game. Yeah, uh the game, which takes admittedly more inspiration from the comics than from the movie, is so brilliant. It is my favorite 2D beat-em-up. Uh it is a damned shame that it got delisted uh from the uh like all the online stores by Ubisoft. I'm not sure if it was a licensing thing with Universal or what, but since it got taken down, it's been so, like, I was just so sad. Uh, (laughs) And I've been hearing whispers on Twitter, uh, specifically from Brian Lee O'Malley himself, who's been kind of like poking, poking at Ubisoft, who is in dire, dire need of some good press right now. Oh, uh, yeah. to, To try to get it relisted. So, Hopefully, just fingers crossed, we can get something back. Maybe even like I don't, I don't think an HD thing is necessary because part of I its mean, charm is that 16-bit
1: style. Oh yeah, no, no. It all it needs to be is just a goddamn game available on. Honestly, just put it on Steam just, just give me or Steam. whatever. Yeah. Also, Steam. I, I just a, just a state, and I'm, I'm sure you agree with me, but I just want to clarify: Ubisoft does not need good press. Ubisoft needs to change its fucking oh, Ubi, shit. Yes, it absolutely needs to change its shit. Yeah. But due to how it is in the public's eye
0: shit list, I'm sure... uh even <laughs> I'm sure I would it's really hopeful, love to actually put this though, game out yeah, there. Even though I'm sure it's in the process, hopefully, of changing their shit around and making it better, they are still in dire need of good press as a company. Yeah. That is where I was coming from. I'm, I'm not saying like... Yeah, no, I'm no. not saying like, oh, it's too bad that they're getting this bad press. It's, yeah, no, no. well, they're getting this bad press right now for good reason.
1: Hopefully they amend that. They're in need of some
0: good ones as a company, though. Yeah,
1: don't worry. I just wanted to make sure that everybody in the audience knew that, yeah, fuck Ubisoft. They they, they need to fucking fix their shit. Get rid of some Specifically, people. Specifically the executives. Home. Like, yes. just
0: the develop the developers do their damnedest. Like, they, they try to put out what they can. Uh, honestly, probably, like, the games that they put out are probably better than I give them credit for. I just don't really play them.
1: It, al- it always blows of- when you have a bunch of great people who work on a project, and yet management is full of a bunch of creepy shitlords who ruin it for everybody else. It's the unfortunate way of the world at times. And but that game... It's- but that game, that shining beacon on the hill. Oh, my God. Beautiful. I, I played through that game so many fucking times. But I only ever, like, beat it, like, twice, though, because I sucked at it. Uh, The thing, like, if I could say, like,
0: one thing about that game that uh, kind of irked me a little bit. Is the fact that, like, once you play through it as a character and you level them up, because it has, like, a, a RPG-like progression system where they get stronger, they get new moves as they uh, progress through the game. Yeah. You can't, like, de-level that character and start over. So if you have a character that you have, like, a favorite move set of, all of a sudden, if you want to play through it again, all of those levels are
1: way too easy. Yeah, a little bit. You're not wrong. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, if and when it is finally brought to. Newer consoles and the PC, which please, please, please just put it on Steam. It'll Fingers give crossed. us the option to, you know, start a new save file. That would be good. I mean, hopefully. Hopefully. It, even the game's soundtrack is awesome. Anomata Gucci, man. Ah. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot believe. So, I, I as as a uh, franchise that it's really funny that it is a comic that got these adaptations because you know oh it's about a band and so all the adaptations were like well if it's about a band the music's gotta, have gotta have be the, the, fucking amazing and yeah the music's oh. gotta
0: slap and every single instance of physical
1: media that involves listening to it slaps uh, it really does like I I wasn't even that big of a fan like I, I didn't even know anything about chiptunes until I actually started playing the Sky Pilgrim game and i'm like i'm not a huge chiptune guy it's it's not it's not a uh genre i listen to often but if i have to um man you cannot go wrong with that soundtrack i i cannot disagree also then uh, the gameplay was so fucking tight and slick it was and, fluid
0: oh and and there were these like there were little easter eggs like if you did the right thing at the right place you could open up like a little bonus level door it it just was so full of these Nice little touches and nod to the franchise, like from the comic to the movie, uh, where you'll see like some background characters that pop up in the comics. Uh, it's just so it's so wonderful. OK, they release it, like the game. This, oh, sorry. I didn't... No, it's I, I could go on and on about like just like the little touches, uh, the fact that like, you know, you earn money by beating people up. And it's uh, typically the same amount of currency that he gets in the comics from
1: defeating the bosses. It's great. So if you, so if they do release it, what's your price point? I'm I'm going 9.99. I and and hell, I will say I'll go 15 dollars if they include the soundtrack. Uh, like so
0: for like a bonus edition, like they give you the soundtrack with it. Yeah. For for the deluxe edition, I'd probably go upwards of 20.
1: It, uh, if, if, if they, they give if you they the soundtrack and
0: maybe like a and give you like a a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, obviously, if they release it, no matter what, it has to include the knives DLC.
1: Oh yeah, that the pro that, that bono.
0: Yeah, yeah, they did they did release knives as a playable character after the fact. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, I'd say anywhere like around ten to fifteen dollars seems like a fair price point. But knowing me, I'd I'd play twenty bucks just to play it.
1: I I'm I'm thinking nine ninety nine for the base game, and then upwards of twenty dollars for any extra stuff. Because I I really do. I would like I would love just to have that game. And I would play through it immediately. Uh, I think I on still screen. have it downloaded on my 360.
0: I just haven't plugged that thing in in a long time.
1: Oh, but I know God. I never uninstalled it. I gave my 360 to a friend, so I hope he can enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I have a penchant
0: for like grabbing onto uh, things and just never, uh, never getting rid of them, never like deleting them from my hard drive unless I have to, which is why I still
1: have a PS4 with uh, PT on it. And you know this, oh man, this is this is part of that bigger ongoing conversation, especially as of late, for particular reasons, about digital media and the preservation of said media. Mm. Um, and uh, I, uh, low key, uh, think that we do need to preserve media, and there are ways that we should do that, um, and I want companies to prioritize that a little bit more often. And I think we need to be careful about not losing, because we've actually lost more media to time than people really realize and i'd hate for that to keep happening to these passion projects that people have worked on i've heard developers who were like i don't care if you pirate my old, this old game at all like yeah, keep please, it alive please I, they worked so hard on it and they don't want to see it lost now if, if it's available to, yeah, to that... you for like a, for a reasonable price pay for it support the things that you love but hey if it's something that is lost to time don't let it be Yeah, I mean, and and there's also something to be said
0: about trying to preserve media in an unhealthy way. Like, all of the uh, digital remasterings of some things that actually destroy some of the original artwork. Uh, I I saw a comparison recently, and I don't want to go too far down this tangent. I want to gush about Scott Pilgrim forever. No, Cinderella Oh yeah. Oh, oof. This Disney's Blu-ray re-release absolutely obliterates the finer
1: details That's of a lot of the scenes. These companies need to stop using DNR. Either go through it painstakingly hand frame by frame or do not use DNR at all. DNR destroys classic pieces of art. It it's 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 you're basically making potato Jesus. Stop it. I mean, uh, this look, has been uh, a this is this has been a public service announcement by TFS. Yeah. Anyway, but Scott Pilgrim. Okay, so we've gone. I feel like we've gone over the game more than we've gone over the comic of the movie. Um, but that's because I feel like the meat of this is going to be discussing the
0: movie, which true. I feel like both of us are more familiar with. Uh, even though, in preparation for this, my mega mind decided to go back and read through all the comics again. So I I know like a few of the. It's obvious where the movie and the film diverge. Yeah. Or the movie and the comic diverge. Uh, but to go into the movie, where I, th- I think is where most everybody has any exposure to Scott Pilgrim. Like, that's that's where everybody's baseline for this is. That's that's where most people were introduced. Uh, if you haven't read the comic, definitely highly recommend. The color prints are awesome. And they're all available. Definitely go support that because it, makes, it is a very, very good series. It makes it me does change oh, quite a bit from the movies.
1: Yes, and it also makes me very happy that there are some times where a comic uh, will get a new re-release with either new updated colors or colors in general, and it just, frankly, does not look as good. It just happens, and it's like, this was actually better in black and white. I can happily, firmly, without hesitation, say the Scott Pilgrim series benefits from color. It really does. You get a lot more detail in some of the wider shots.
0: Uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, in his art style, loves to do these very avant-garde uh, split-page shots where there'll still be frames on one side, but then there'll also be like a slight split in the middle where the image continues over into like a full next-page spread. Mm-hmm. And he does this a lot to great uh, to great effect, uh, usually for reveals or chapter endings. Uh, they they are very well detailed in his art style. This uh how would you describe his art style? It's it's kind of like a cross between like a chibi art style and uh like Hanna
1: Barbera cartoon. I, I, I would I don't know how to exactly describe it. Brian Lee O'Malley's style is very ex- exceptionally immediately recognizable. And that's that's always really cool when you've got an art style that people can pick on like that. Um, yeah, it's it's this beautiful
0: blend of uh, West meets... West, West, West meets... Dear Lord. West, West meets, meets East. Eats. There we go. Hey, I, hey, I did call. not do my tongue twisters today. I spent more
1: time studying the pilgrim. So it sucks more dick. It'll help. Anyway, so... The His huh. style is so fascinating Because it actually reminds me a lot And I'm going to use this term And it's a loaded term But I think everybody understands it It's very similar to what people call The Callard style uh, And the idea is to be Minimal with the amount of detail Give these broader rounder shapes It is to that's the, that's the Steven Universe gumball it's, 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 they, they call it the jelly bean mouth And it's, it's not okay. It's a loaded term, but to be completely honest with you, it is overused and misunderstood. Um, there's nothing wrong with that particular art arts style. It is something that has definitely become more and more popular as time has gone on, uh, partially because a lot of animators realize that, oh, wow, this is actually really, uh, really easy to S- animate. It's significant, significantly more convenient. Yeah. Um, and this happens all the time art goes through phases like this all of the time. You should have seen what happened during the 70s and 80s with animation. I mean, it all looked cheaper and yeek, but mm. these these phases happen. In the next 10 years, you're going to see more changes, and it's it's going to be... It's the ever-evolving and changing world of art and animation. Uh, but I will say Brian Lee O'Malley was kind of ahead of the curve with this. Uh, these mm. particular designs, these big eyes and uh, round uh, Like round heads, it
0: it definitely cribs that anime style that like uh, that they use to great effect for showing off emotion.
1: Just making the features, the expressive features, more pronounced. Right? Yeah. Like I, his expressions always came off so clear and so phenomenally. Like when a character is angry, you feel it. When they are tired, you feel it. When they are just having fun embarrassed like shy. like he is there there are a lot of nuances
0: in the comic that are kind of lost in the movie mostly just because humans don't express like that uh ramona flowers in the comic is significantly more expressive even though i absolutely uh i i I adore mary elizabeth winstead's cold icy demure i It's it plays very well into this like mysterious character that Ramona Flowers represents, but in the comic she she's much more down to earth and is like wears her emotions a lot more on her
1: face. So okay, so this is an interesting uh we've we've gotten into a place where I was wholly ready to go, but a little bit earlier than I was expecting, um, which is the difference between the comic and the movie, which I don't is, want to go like fully into that, yeah, but there yeah. are quite a few. Um, I You do. So one of the things that is immediately noticeable and undeniable is that the character of Scott and Ramona from the comics are recognizably different than they are from yes. the movies, which is not to say that they are completely different characters, but you can tell that the interpretation from the comic was to go way more... Uh, with with In Michael death. Sarah. it was less hyperactive uh thoughtless like man child man kind of jerk ass into more of a socially awkward kind of anxious dweeb which you know plays very well to michael Sarah and also kind of makes him kind of more adorable more char- like kind yeah. of gives him char- this... charming you can you can see why people like him yeah and you, can, you can see it in the comic, too. You can see it's because, oh, he's got this big, confident personality. And frankly, when you're at that age, confidence is a big thing. You you really mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, somebody who's that... <laughs> I, I, God, um, it, it's that unearned self-confidence that Bravado. just... Bravado. Yeah. And that really works in his favor in the comics. Where in the movie, it's more of this kind of nerdish swagger about him that plays like... When he's on this, top, yeah,
0: that 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 geek chic charm where he has a bit of confidence, like he has confidence in himself, but
1: it's like not entirely earned. Yeah, and then with Ramona Flowers, it's like you said in the comic, she's actually more approachable and like open yeah, and like, friendly. They're, she's they're more meeting
0: manic- in the oh, they're, sorry, they're meeting at the party in the comic is very uh, is very drastically different. Uh, it's very similar in the fact that like Scott just kind of approaches, stands to the side, like kind of you know scoots along the wall. Uh, they talk for a second, and he asks, "Am I dreaming?" And she's like, "Wait, what?" And they kind of catch eyes for a second, and then immediately look away and kind of like blush like that. Oh God, what have I done? I'll just I'll leave you alone forever now. Okay. It's it's much more of a meet cute, yes. whereas in the movie, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is just kind of like playing like way too cool, kind of hard to get. Uh, you don't feel like they had any real connection after that scene. So Scott's behavior afterwards in the movie is actually significantly creepier.
1: Yeah, he becomes kind of obsessed with this girl. Um, whereas in the comic, it's a little bit more of a, huh, okay. So they both made an awkward and now they're going to try and move move forward from that. Um, and yeah, w- with Ramona, it's... I can understand why they made the the decision for both of them. Uh it, it definitely like besides the fact that they were limited with the kind of actors that they could choose'm I'm, I'm sure that they were like yeah I mean you're never gonna find people who are gonna be one for one uh, there's also just the overall style that the movie wanted to go for of mm. um, th- these char- the characters on, on on in the comic work well for a comic. they weren't gonna translate hundred percent a live action I think you could-
0: and nor and nor do you have enough time in the movie. To go through the level of development that they
1: get in the comics, also, which true. is an
0: important factor.
1: Yeah, when it comes to adaptation, you have to make decisions. You have to change characters appropriately to tell the ultimately, undeniably, uh, and unavoidably shorter story that you have to tell. So, I think that the changes they made to the characters, totally fine with them. Uh, and and to that, like as somebody who read the comic first, adored it, loved it. Then watched the movie, adored it, loved it. I personally think it was a fine choice to make, and funny enough, all the other characters are generally the same, <laughs> like uh, except except
0: for Young Neil, who is given a lot more to do in the movie. Is he? Yes, effectively. Uh, like he has a he has like a small bit parts in the comic,
1: but in the movie they actually let him do a bit more. They, they oh, let yeah, him kind of what? stretch out and be a character. Yeah, you're right. You know what, uh, Young Neil, I. Kind of forgotten how he was in the comic, although he does have one of my favorite lines in the comic, mm-hmm. which is, uh, "Yeah, you're you're such an asshole. Yeah, so are you. Yeah, but I'll grow out of it." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like oh. that's that's they,
0: they, <gasps> due to the amount of time they're given in the comic, they do allow him to like do do some actual character stuff, but in the movie, he kind of has to be a static character. So yeah. they allow him to express himself in different ways. For example, in the opening scene, uh, where I, I noticed a lot of di- small but very noticeable differences in the uh, from the movie to the comic. Uh, when Knives ask him, oh, cool, what do you play? In the comic, he's just like, oh, I don't play. I just live here. In the movie, he's like, oh, man. Zelda, Tetris. It's a big question. Like, they, they let him... <laughs> They let him be kind of a dorky nerd, and it's great. Uh, Another thing, a small change that I I know is due to the uh, style that Edgar Wright just loves to adhere to his cast and into his films. In the comic, when Knives shows up for the practice, uh, in the comics, Scott says, oh, you can just throw your jacket anywhere. In the movies, here, I'll take your coat. Takes it, drops it on the floor. Brilliant little joke that is... that's and that's something that Edgar Wright does just so brilliantly. Just these tiny little
1: things that, you know, you don't think about, but it's it's funny. That's literally the entire movie. Like I cannot stress enough how well made all of Edgar Wright's movies are, and this is no exception. Like the small details all over the place, the consistency, the just the dedication to making every single. Frame on screen means something. It's insane. It's 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 a level of dedication that uh, inspires me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and yeah, the sheer style, like the visual style, you feel like you're watching a comic.
1: It is kind times. of a, it is insane how well he's able to combine all these non diegetic elements without any like i never felt like it was out of place i never felt like oh that's jarringly like bad cgi no it just feels like it's a part of the universe even though you can tell it's all cgi you can tell obviously when the game graphics show up like okay obviously that's cgi but it never feels like it's just it
0: feels like he he works in like those 16 bit crunched Sound effects that you're familiar with, like, from old Super Nintendo games. Oh, yeah, the sound they, design they, in this movie fit. is nuts. They fit perfectly. And the uh, non-diegetic uh, text that pops in everywhere uh, that, like, the the just really gives you that feeling that you're watching a comic. The, uh, the most visually striking stuff, too, especially the image where uh, Scott's going up against Todd and he's just kind of holding him up with his, you know, telekinetic vegan powers. It makes sense if you've seen the movie. If you haven't, why are you here? Oh, I know uh, the scene. I, I know what you're talking about. And and you just see this like white rippling as everything kind of moves to like black and white, which is really pronounced colors or really pronounced uh, shading. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, like that, that that whole scene. There are just so many scenes in the film that could have easily come off as uh, corny or lame or. Uh, just trying too hard and it all comes up to uh, like uh, somebody in the chat said it's a visual language instead of a shortcut and you're and you're right mm-hmm. it is a visual language it is amazing how well he communicates all of these elements i i could honestly go on four hours talking about all of the different beautiful visual elements throughout the film not just in terms of the uh uh, the special effects and but colors, the use of color, framing, oh my god, lighting. Uh, just, the, can you believe the the, the the
0: choice of lens on what to focus with? It's it's
1: and the fight insane. scenes.
0: The the fight scene, the fight choreography had no business being as good as it was.
1: It's better than most. It okay, I'm gonna flat out say it. The fight choreography, the action in Scott Pilgrim is better than 90% of the best like best box office action films in like the last decade it- do you know what highlights this
0: the, that fact the most to me hmm. we saw two movies that weekend oh, when we were up. up yeah we saw two movies that weekend when we were up in Vancouver because we were uh, <laughs> this was just after uh, Anime Evolution Evolution 2010 I believe yeah because 10 years ago and uh we saw two movies one was scott pilgrim one was the
1: expendables (laughs) this was a
0: better action movie the action comedy the action rom-com was a better action movie
1: yeah it really was i'm like and i remember like everybody else was a little bit more happy with expendables i was just kind of pissed because i'm like that was not a great action film and it was neutered by being pg-13 um, and I was like, Scott Pilgrim was the better movie. And I was, I was a sour little bitch. I was the most sour, salty little bitch because Expendables cannibalized, just fucking devoured the box office for Scott Pilgrim because they came out the same fucking weekend. You can blame a lot of that on the market. I do blame a lot of it on the marketing because it's like, oh yeah, look at this romance film. And I'm like, it's yes, but no. So much more. Like it's the problem.
0: It's it's a nearly impossible to market movie because all of the best comedy bits only serve their purpose in the uh, in like the scene itself. They need the context. You can't show uh, funny bits from Scott Pilgrim kind of out of order. There are so few uh, what you'd call stingers, things that you'd actually put in a comedy trailer. To make it uh, to get its point across
1: i do think bread makes you fat is a really good one but even then it's
0: i don't know bread makes bread makes you fat uh scott jumping out of the window to avoid knives uh those are like the two biggest stingers i can really think of that could like fit into a comedy trailer everything yeah. else is very contextual
1: uh, it also although it did have one of the best trailers of all time with invaders must die that trailer is a fucking... It, it was crazy. Like I think I'm unfamiliar with that one. I'll have ooh, to look that up. Ooh, definitely look it up. It's nuts. It's so good. The Invaders Must Die Scott Pilgrim trailer is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Um, also the song is a f- banger. Like straight up. Um, I could have I could have said that wider. I, you know, I I bet I could, but you, I won't. You, you could pr- you could try. Uh, But going back
0: to the uh, visual style, like you said, you you could go on forever and ever about how amazing it is. Can you think of like one specific scene that like really catches you on this
1: movie's visual style that that you always kind of go back to? Uh, actually, you know what? It's it's a weird one. It's probably not my best example, but it is one that constantly I come back to because I'm just impressed. Sticks out of your mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm always impressed with how good this fucking scene looked because I love good action choreography. I'm a huge fan of old kung fu films. I really wish films would stop using so many different fucking camera angles to accentuate their movement. Let mm. the actors slash the stunt people do their thing. John Wick has it right. God Fucking damn it. Anyway, point being, there's a scene. It's it's the one at the bar with Roxy. Was it Roxy? No. Yes. Shit. It Roxy. Is, okay, so it is Roxy. You know, Envy is his ex girl. I always get them mixed up. Roxy shows up and uses her belt whip, blades, whatever yeah, yeah, that fucking her thing yeah, is. Her, her IV from Soul Calibur chainsword. Yeah. That fight is insanely cool. Just how well it's done, how well all of its visual, like, you always know what's happening with all these crazy movements it's so good I could like I'm I was just sitting back thinking to myself how how is this a movie that exists how is this scene so much better than like most modern fight scenes that I watch it's it's insane it's so good like yeah. ah Then uh that and just uh, I don't know. Hard to
0: think of one. Also, there are a lot of, there are a lot of little touches that go by very quickly. Um, the fact that they win their first Battle of the Bands because uh, uh, Matthew Patel blows up Crash and the Boys. It's it's a flash cut. Uh, one of the littlest touches that I had to get pointed out to me in the director's commentary, which, yes, I love this movie so much, I've actually watched the director's commentary twice. Yeah. Uh, he uses a. Uh, Edgar Wright chose to use a filter on the camera lens that uh, grabs ambient background light and changes their shape. And on the bus, when he's with like talking with Ramona uh, about like you know, you know th- like their relationship is budding. In the background, uh, whenever Scott is in the shot, all of the uh, lights in the background are hearts. Like they're all shaped like hearts, and when Ramona's in focus. All of the uh, all of the lights are shaped like X's. It is awesome. Like just these tiny little touches that
1: you wouldn't even think to do, but Edgar Wright does. Yeah, because he was in love with that comic. You can tell. You know, like it's so interesting because he made so many changes, changes that maybe didn't even necessarily fundamentally need to be made, but all of them serve the purpose of making the movie. This cohesive whole, ho- and oh my god, ah, I, I don't even know like where to go because I could, I feel like I have a bunch of different avenues to talk about. Uh, I, I will say, um, in terms of changes that were made, that I was a little bit sad about, but understood that Katsuyanagi twins took the most significant hit they absolutely
0: did it was for a very big reason because in the comic their role is significantly longer and it kind of goes into scott's backstory with kim a lot more
1: yeah i also like
0: stuff that they stuff that they didn't have time to play off of also the uh, one girl
1: they cut out of the film entirely what was her name Oh, wow. uh, like
0: his first ex, the one that he met when he was like, oh, the one he didn't even really date her. She was just having a crush on him when he fell in love with him. Yeah. I feel really uh, bad that I forgot her name. Lisa. OK, it is, it is Lisa. Lisa. OK, I was Lisa. thinking Lisa. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. They actually made a animated uh, Adult Swim did a, like a little animated short about that arc,
1: I believe, in the comic. Oh, uh. Every time I see that, I just think of what could have been. Netflix animated series, make it happen. Do not cast Michael Sarah though. Get get somebody who can actually play Scott Pilgrim from the comics because they're different enough characters. They're they're also like, yeah, they 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 are different. They are very
0: different at this point. You, you'd get a different voice actor. Maybe the, yeah, I don't know. Hard to say. I'm not in charge of that. As yeah. much as I'd love to be, but it's. Yeah, like I said, the, the comics go into, like, a lot more detail. Uh, the Kati and Nagi twins in the comics are actually... Uh, characters? They're kind of... Yeah, they're they're characters, first of all. They're also, like, mecha enthusiasts. They, they have, like, little robot henchmen.
1: Oh, it's, yeah. You could tell Brian Lee O'Malley was like, and the Japanese characters are gonna have mecha. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: It's a really cool story that I don't want to spoil for anybody who has not read the comics. The comics, if you have not read them... Go check them out, please. They they diverge from the movie in a very uh big way about halfway through. Uh they kind of meet up a little bit close to the end, but there is a vast swath. The entire battle of the bands uh framing device that the movie is given is there uh brilliantly, might I add. I think mm-hmm. I think it was a very smart choice in order to move things along to get people in the proper place to go from scene to scene. Uh that's that's an invention of the movie though uh sexbabo as a band is you know they're together and they do like try to move on uh Envy actually plays a significantly bigger role in the comics as well even upwards yes. towards the climax uh but yeah the the comics and the movie change a lot and and I'm, I'm trying to think of like where to go back to
1: here because uh so okay so um the movie. Uh, one of the one of my favorite. Uh, okay, you know what? I was gonna bring this up earlier. Favorite song in okay. the movie. My favorite song in the movie, without a doubt, no question, is Black Sheep's. Uh, yep, that's yeah. it. Uh, wh- oh God, what is the actual name of that song? Hello again, friend of a friend. I knew you and Metric. Hello. That yeah. song, is one hundred percent. Holy shit! Black sheep by Metric. Black uh, Black sheep. Yeah, the song was Black sheep. Yes, 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 yes. Black sheep is fucking amazing. I cannot believe it that, was that's... it was your it was your callback tone for a long time. It was. I back when you know callback tones could were a that. thing. But yeah, um, literally, if you called me on the phone, you would hear that song play. Mm. Um, that and and because I fell in love with it. Uh, it's just such a great. Song and the way that they actually make it work in the movie, uh, and it's the uh, sung by uh, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson. Yeah, Brie Larson, just killing it, just killing it. Like I, I, I loved that whole scene, um, just between the visuals, the song, the the meaning of it. It's so good. <laughs> I was gonna say if if I didn't use the uh, Roxy. Scene. I was gonna use that scene as my favorite scene in the movie. It
0: is a it is a brilliant edited and uh, scripted scene again with the oh yeah oh yeah oh no, Uh, the the cuts the music video showing Edgar Wright's origin. By the way, he he started out by doing like a lot of music videos, so this played very much to his strengths. Uh, He uh, you know cutting back and forth on the beats to like you know the characters and how they're relating to each other. Ah, it's so fucking beautiful. Just I cannot express enough how good this goddamn movie is. And it's only in my top 5, but you know, there's still a lot of movies out there. Yeah. Uh, who's your who's your favorite character in that? Wallace. Movie? Yeah, I was going to say, well, I, I, I was going to
1: I was going to follow that up with why is it Wallace? Yeah, and look, uh it's not Okay, part of it is I'm sorry. I really 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 needed a, a really funny enjoyable gay character um which okay a lot of the jokes are who's not, who's not a
0: who's not a stereotype he's a little bit of a stereotype but a he's little just bit not, of a stereotype it, but he's not he's not like that you know the flamboyant stereotype that you
1: yeah, get in a comedy here's the thing as a gay man who, who's growing up during the 2000s he's accurate he's totally accurate I'm not gonna try and act like Wallace like Wallace Wells isn't a, a, a decently accurate representation of a gay man in his 20s um but I love him. I love him so much. He is one of the wittiest, funniest, well acted characters in the movie. I can't believe he's Macaulay Culkin's brother. Uh, yeah. And Geary he's. Tolkien. Yeah. And god damn it. Every scene he's in, he enhances just by being his smart ass self. I love him so much. And I didn't even. I, I loved him in the comics. I loved him even more in the movie. Just god damn. The fucking gay the the uh, the gay test
0: that he puts um, Stacy uh, Anna Kendrick's character you know Scott's sisters uh, current date through at the oh. uh, battle of the bands with Crash That's, and the boys. That was a test. You passed. You passed. Just making out by the end Wallace of it. Wallace again. But, uh, again. I... Anna Kendrick probably you're probably really underappreciated in this movie too. Like she, as Stacy Pilgrim. Oh
1: she, yeah. She does such an awesome job. I am sad that she gets like 3 scenes in the movie um, cuz yeah she just she every time she does have this great presence but unfortunately her character's just there's not a need for more of her um actually the one character I found very interesting who got a lot of screen time uh who was also fantastic was uh the bandmate for Envy. um I forget her name but she's Jenna uh, I don't she, think she
0: had I don't think she had like nearly any screen time in the movie, she definitely didn't have any lines.
1: Are you, are you talking about in the comics? She definitely played a bigger role in that. Wait, she—I could have sworn she's the girl um, who does the thing with her mouth. No, no, you're thinking of Aubrey, uh, Aubrey uh, Plaza, Julie, St- uh,
0: Stephen Stills' ex. So wait, wait, wait. So Julie isn't—I could have sworn. No, she's, n- she's not. She's not a bandmate. She is. Uh, because she shows up kind of everywhere around town. She works oh, at the coffee you know shop. She works at the record store. But she's she the one is... that hosts the party
1: where uh, Scott meets Ramona. But she is a groupie for Envy, and that's why I was I was confusing it because she does show up in the scene where uh... she's
0: a, yeah she's a socialite that knows everybody in the scene. She has the connections
1: basically. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I, I confused her with the drummer with the robot arm in the comic. Um, well, yeah. yeah completely... she's she's very different and plays a. Different role in the comic, which changes the
0: uh dynamic between Scott and um
1: Todd a bit more. Oh god, you know what character I okay, there are two characters that I was really sad to get excised from the comic, although they had no place in the movie. Hmm. The first one is Knives Dad, who I loved him. I absolutely loved him in the uh in the comic. He was so much fun yeah. and such a great like mid-boss for Scott. Yep, you, you, you never see either Mr. nor uh, Mrs. Chow in the movie. Yeah, and the other one was, uh, oh, I forget what his name is, but he was the other gay dude um, who has one of my fa- absolute favorite lines in all of comic books, which is, he is as hot as the hell YouTube bitches will, th- uh, will burn in. That is the sassiest line. It is, it is. I'm, I remember. I remember reading that. I can't remember the character, though. Yeah, I can't remember his name. I just remember I loved him a lot, but they had to cut him for obvious reasons, and they also had to cut what happens with him and Steven, which I don't don't want to go into for anybody who hasn't read the comics, but it is, oh my god. I, I missed him, but again, unfortunately, I understand why a lot of my favorite character moments from the side characters from the comics ended up getting excised. Kim is still great in the movie. Fantastic. Yes. Phenomenal. She's got like 10 lines. And they're all good. Like, literally, every yeah, they're, line... Yeah, they're all amazing. Yeah, every line out of Kim's mouth is spectacular. If your but, face had a life, I would punch it. Yeah, which, by the way, I I, uh, I made a sticker out of that for my Telegram thing. I, I I made a bunch of Scott Pilgrim stickers just with different comments. Uh, which you would. Like, hey, are you all right? Do you have brain damage? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like, there are so many fantastic lines uh, for all those characters, and yeah, they unfortunately had to basically be cut down to just be- serving the very base necessity to kind of give, a, not even backstory, just a world building to give you an idea of, okay, so this is who Scott is as a character. Which is why, yeah. again, I would love a fucking show, Uh
0: well, we can, we can always hope and keep our fingers crossed because Scott Pilgrim is an amazing story, a very different coming-of-age tale. You get a lot of them that go from, like, you know, the teenage years to young adulthood, but not a lot that deal with the transition, uh, like, you know, just post-college to actually trying to figure out exactly who you are out yeah. kind of adulthood, where you're uh, figuring out what's up with you. Sometimes you get directionless and decide to... Uh, Regress a little bit in the case of scott it's dating a high schooler and you know making a lot of mistakes in his relationships uh throughout life and not really coming to terms with them i and oh sorry go ahead uh when, when you do get into that relationship that you actually believe could be something you have to deal with that other person's baggage as well in in ramona's case her seven evil ex-boyfriends which are you know the literal meta, like the literal physical representation of all of her baggage. Yeah,
1: and I, one of the things about the film, um, and the in the comic that they both have in common, which I'm glad, uh, I'm glad the film did not change, even though it, it kind of represents it in a different way, is that Scott Pilgrim is a piece of shit. Yes, he's much more a piece of shit in the comic too. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was something I. When I was reading the comic, I really had to come to terms with it as it went on, because Scott in the comic is fun, and he's enjoyable, and he's thoughtless. But But he's he's also a dick. Yeah. He's an absolute dick of a man-child. Yeah, because as you you read on, a lot of those moments that you're kind of supposed to just take on the chin, you realize, oh, no, this is how he literally acts all of the time. Mm -hmm. And if you you surrounded yourself with friends, uh, and you acted like that all the time... How are they gonna respond? And as the comic goes on, you really get an idea of like, oh, oh man, yeah, no, he's actually kind of awful. Like, not his, like his, not like fucking alt-right racist yeah, asshole, yeah. but he's thoughtless, he's selfish, he's lazy, and it's like, wow, man, you you really don't think any of this shit through. And it's and his
0: relationship with Wallace is really interesting in that regard because uh Wallace basically pays for everything wallace owns everything in that apartment just kind of like lets scott sleep there in his own bed uh the the phrase you're my bitch forever is you know for real scott is essentially a pet to wallace wells in a certain extent because wallace supplies
1: everything and it's even more evident in the comic yeah and that's why and and that's a lot of people i know some people who cannot get into Scott Pilgrim because they're like, "Wow, Scott's insufferable." I'm like, you know what? That's fine. I totally get it. That is the point. Um, but if you can't, if you can't identify with that, um, or or worse, you identify with it and it just puts you off, like, "Oh no, I can't go back down this fucking this hole of my past self." I get it. But for me, when I was a kid, it was actually a really important story for me to see. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was a very selfish, lazy kid. Um, I, I was uh, and wholeheartedly it's still something I'm getting over. I was uh, I, I really only ever thought of myself and while as I grew up I became more aware of other people and I wanted to get better, it's it's tough. And one of the only things that makes you a better person and I'm gonna say this outright, one of the only things that truly helps make you a good person is surrounding yourself by people who drive you to get better. There's like, a
0: phrase out there, actually, that you are the average of the 10 people you spend the most time with. Ooh. Okay, yeah. I can see that. And, and... Oh, if you if you spend time with people that are going to bring you up, they bring you up. If you spend time with people that drag you down,
1: you get dragged down. Yep. And you can't... And, and uh, let me say this. Nobody else is responsible for you becoming a better fucking person. <laughs> Nobody is oh, responsible for that. It is up to you. But... But their, but their influence is always tangible. I honestly only became a better person, like, and and yeah, I'm a great person. I became a better person and I improved on myself because I knew some people who I fell in love with, who I was like, these people are my friends and I want to do right by them. And I I listened to them and I worked with them and when I hurt them, I I tried to stop the behavior that hurt them, I surrounded myself with people who inspired me, and that's that's something that's good. You have to put in the work. You have to do it yourself. But if again, it's like you said, if you surround yourself with people who are shitty or selfish or do not care about the world around them, myopic people, then you're not doing yourself and yourself any favors. I, it's 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 weird that's, to say that's that. That's a
0: powerful lesson to
1: take from anything. B-Pack. Yeah, and, and, and but that's that's kind of ultimately the message of Scott Pilgrim, actually, especially the comic. The movie is a little part, bit uh, more. Part of it is. Yeah, uh, the mo- it, 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 there's going more into it. It's also you know,
0: being able to recognize within yourself what mistakes you made. It, it's it's actually the role that Nega Scott plays in the comic way more than in the movie, where it's actually uh, you know the. It's actually the shadow self trope where you have to face all the negativity in yourself in order to overcome it. Yeah. And uh, that's something that the the movie doesn't really do. It actually kind of puts a lot of the Negus Scott's uh, personas into the evil exes themselves. Because every single one of them represents a piece of Scott that's kind of shitty that he needs to get beyond.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Like, it, it, that's so, why except, I, except the Nagis which are just kind of there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah unfortunately, like, Nagi twins got a really cool scene in the movie. Characters. What characters? They're Japanese another, and they and, play music. Another little touch
0: that I love in the movie, by the way, just going into like little Easter egg things when they move, when they go to like turn up their amp in the middle of that amp V amp battle. The final symbol that they crank it up to is Juichi. Meaning that their amp goes yes. up to 11.
1: Oh, I know. I fucking, I saw that and I was like, oh, my limited understanding of Japanese is freaking out. I know. It's such a small little touch that if you don't know
0: Japanese, you won't get.
1: Oh my God. Um, fucking Edgar Wright, man. Yeah. But yeah, so, uh, but, and then ultimately that kind of leads to the differences between the endings. Now, um, obviously, we're going to get into a little bit of the spoilers for the endings. I'd say probably for the movie and for the comic. They're they're both kind of the same ending. Yes, yeah, because uh, Brian Lee O'Malley and uh, Edgar Wright did work together on the script for the final movie. Um, so he knew... That's why there are so many similarities between the endings, but they're not the same. <clears throat> yeah, they, they both involve a final
0: showdown at... Um... The uh God, why am I why am I drifting on the name? The the Pyramid. Oh yeah. The, it had a name though. It was like called the Chaos Club or
1: something. Yeah, Chaos Theater.
0: That's what it was. Hmm. Um and like it involves fighting Gideon finally, but uh the comic is much more uh cartoonish and overblown. The movie is slightly more subdued in that fact, which is really hard to say because the movie still has this amazing
1: spectacular fight scene oh yeah but uh, the, the the comic literally goes into like final fantasy level of final boss fights so it's yeah like and how
0: Gideon has been like I, I, again I don't want to actually like spoil it but they yeah. go further into what makes Gideon tick and what kind of an asshole he really is uh, much more than just kind of like the snide petulance uh, of Ben Schwartzman who does an amazing job like everybody in this, the casting is fucking awesome. Yeah.
1: God damn it! Yeah, as and as I said before, well, like while I might I, I I will recognize the difference between some characters in their adaptation, I cannot say that any of them gave anything less than a stellar performance. Who was your favorite X? Favorite X? Okay, that one's that one's a little bit tough. Uh, but I'm probably gonna have to go with Lucas Lee. He is kind of the best. Chris Evans, like
0: pre uh, pre Captain America. Uh, just out of playing Johnny Storm, Chris Evans, Yeah. who uh, he, he has a lot of great lines. And it's the first time that Scott has to face somebody that is physically uh, superior to him. And he has nothing to brag about against this guy. So he actually has to outwit him.
1: Yeah. And also, honestly, the the his scenes are just full of these great uses of both camera and sound. Um, mm-hmm. like, I know there's one bit that always stuck with me and always stuck with you too where, he, uh, where Scott's talking about uh, actually skateboarding and just the small movement of Lucas Lee's eyes and you just hear the music and the sound effects kind of like move with the eyes and it's just a yep. small moment where I'm like oh I love that I love that so much
0: again, again the little touches that just make it like push it over the top from being a good movie to being a fucking masterpiece yeah. Uh then you had Todd. Uh which Todd Todd is my second favorite. Todd's uh, Todd's great Brandon Routh uh, j- j- just after uh, a-, a few years after Superman returns. Uh really strong, really really funny uh different in the comics though. Much more of an asshole in the comics actually somehow. Yeah, uh, because he's also a cheating motherfucker in the
1: comics. I uh yeah I know he is he is a a fucking scum in the comics actually like it is it is remarkable how shitty he is like Lucas is actually way more approachable but fucking Todd is a piece of shit yeah Lucas is full
0: of himself Todd is an absolute full-blown asshole actually I kind Uh, of like I kind of like Lucas in the comic (laughs) yeah a bit uh as much as you can for that kind of character Funny enough, in the supplementary material, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, uh, in terms of character design and what he represents, claims that uh, Todd is the Ken to Scott Ryu. Oh yeah, I, I, you know what? I like that. That's that's cute. Yeah, they're they're both bass players. They like they they're both musicians. They're they both dated Envy. They both have cheated on their exes. Like, they both both broken hearts. So he is actually kind of that mirror match that you're going for. But he's he's just a better player. Yeah. Also, and, oh, man. oh Yeah, and that's what he has to deal with from that point. And then the fucking way that battle ends is so good. <laughs> uh, uh, Thomas Jane and I don't know the other guy. I, I know Thomas Jane by face as the vegan police that pop in.
1: The fucking vegan police uh, Gelato, if you told gelato's me, not gelato's not vegan milk and eggs bitch i tried to explain that scene to somebody who had never seen the movie or read the comic and they were fucking confused and i was like yeah it makes sense if you watch the movie i swear
0: it's just such an amazing play on like that that avant-garde millennial culture yeah because that's that's something that we've all been exposed to. You might not entrench yourself deep within that uh, parts of society, but it's there and you know about it. It's always on the fringes and you always know
1: somebody that knows it. When you're vegan, you're just better than other people. that's that is such a quintessential like millennial uh, trope of like, well i'm I'm living the better life than you guys, so that makes me better. And it's like, yeah, okay, buddy, I'm sure. And uh, another touch that I love in the
0: movies, whenever she goes into the backstory of her and the exes, it always cuts to a little animatic of the comic. Yes, which, yeah, perfect. Love it. It works so well. Uh, Also, when she describes the fact that Todd punched a hole in the moon for her, and you see the moon later, and there's a hole in it. You know what?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I remember that. I I do remember that. Mm -hmm. And then, but somebody... Uh, I, I can't remember. Was it in the movie where he points out that there's two holes? I can't remember. Uh, because he, he punched... He, he did it for two people. Yeah, it's in only in the comics. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he did it for Envy as well. Yeah. Which I found really funny. It's like, um... Wait, you, you said you punched the moon for me. <laughs> Have you ever noticed there's two holes? And it's like, it's just such a stupid line, but it's... <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm reminded. I haven't read the comic in so long, but I'm being reminded of all these moments that I was. I was reading. I was like, this is genuinely hilarious and charming and so good.
0: Go back to it, man. It, it's. It is. Uh, as somebody that just reread it over the past, uh, I, I kind of binged through it over the last couple of days. Here, I started on Sunday. It's. It is charming and awesome in its own right like this is such a beautiful amazing series i just i don't know i'm just so happy it exists and i'm so happy that i got a film adaptation from a director that really gives a shit and knows what he's
1: doing i'm really sad actually that um i was going to make a video all about uh why scott pilgrim is a piece of shit and that's okay i was i was actually gonna like or why that's good uh, that, that was going to be the video. It was going to be, Scott Pilgrim sucks, and that's good. And it was literally just going to be all about, like, diving into Scott Pilgrim as a character and what he represents, both as, uh you know, the average person and as a time capsule of when we were growing up in that period. And I'm really sad that I didn't wasn't able to do it in time. I might still do it. Um, I probably won't be as relevant as it would on the 10th anniversary, but I still kind of want to because... Damn Just hold it. on to it
0: for ten years or five years.
1: Yeah, right. But, it, you know, you know me. You know me. You,
0: you love editing. You love doing your little things. And this is something where uh, the visuals are fucking on goddamn points. Like, yeah. it, it has such a style to it. I would I would effectively call this one of the best adaptations of a video game property. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it cribs so much from video game
1: culture. Uh, it's...
0: God damn. So, I don't...
1: you know what? We've actually been able to avoid spoiling too much, but uh, if we can avoid, if we can continue to, for people who haven't, maybe haven't seen this, how do you feel about the two endings? Do you think one was better than the you other? Mean, you mean you mean the movie's alternate ending? Yeah.
0: Uh, I prefer the ending we got, honestly. You it feels what? it feels way better than the one that's uh, the alternate ending. Ultimate, where he ends up with the other person. It's just, it, it, it.
1: that one feels like a regression. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people say, well, that other ending made more sense. I'm like, no, no. I mean, okay, it's okay if you feel that way, I, I get it. But for me, it's like, with everything that had happened and everything he'd gone through, he really represented that, no, he's not in the place to do that. Like, he shouldn't.
0: I, yeah, because by, by by the end, both of the characters kind of have gone through this journey where it's like, yeah, no. Let's actually start anew. Let's let's really wipe the slate clean and
1: try this from the start. And that's why the, the movie's ending works better. It works better towards that message of, no, you've gone through this self-discovery. That doesn't mean you're good enough to go back to what you were doing. It means, okay, now you're good to actually move forward. And the person, you know, she... Is a good a good example of that. She is. She mm. went through her own journey. She definitely needed to be the person to go on that next step with him. I think that's why that that ending is better than the other one. Even if the other one feels like, oh, but you know, after everything that happened in that last battle, they they you know they proved that oh well, they really are good together. But they were yeah, never the, the, good the, together. The two like both endings are okay,
0: but one makes me happier. The other one makes me comfier. I'd yeah. rather be happier so and uh, then then there's the alternate alternate ending oh yeah
1: the one that we never actually got but i'm really glad the one that, that the, yeah, the one that,
0: yeah the, the, it was never actually going to be it was only going to be like a, uh, a kind of just a extra on the blu-ray or dvd when it came out but the alternate ending of you see this news reports about scott pilgrim being arrested for murdering seven or seven people
1: yeah as it turns out all of this shit was in his head and he's just been murdering dudes like a psychopath,
0: yeah. Which, uh, as an extra that was never meant to be a part of the
1: finished product, I think is hysterical. Yes, uh, you know what? As a, as a, this was a concept. Okay, that's that's good. I, I'm okay with like we conceptualize this. I'm like, that's funny. That's fun. Also, um, I will say the comic ending is better than all the other endings, just by virtue of being able to tell more and do more. Yeah, f- flesh out its story more and give more closure to more characters. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like I love that ending. I also love the fact that like in so much stuff got cut, but one of the most interesting and and really character development things that ended up getting cut was his trip back home. Like that that trip mm-hmm. back to back home to his parents' place was so important for his character. And as as was that subsequent meetup with knives. So like man, that was um I don't know. I really liked that, and obviously we had to lose it. Like they cut down the time frame yeah. of like a year down to like a month, I think, or a couple of weeks. I get yeah,
0: it. It was it was a it was a couple of weeks in movie time because uh, in the comics, Ramona disappears for like a full month.
1: Yeah, yeah, she just disappears. Also, Scott gets a job, and it's a big deal. Like, Ugh. Yeah. Uh, Okay, like, seriously, guys, it's, if you haven't read the comics, and you've only seen the movie, I... And you liked the movie? Yeah. Check the comics out. You you would be doing yourself a favor. It is, it is, like, as, as much as I do love this movie, and I obviously really love this movie, the comic is just a better story, top to bottom, just because of the nature of what it is. Yeah. I mean, y-
0: you get more time to flesh things out. It's, it's 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 the obvious difference between the book and the movie. Yeah. But that does not change the fact that the movie itself is still awesome and amazing. Because it really is. All, all the little touches, all the things that you can do in um, motion picture that you can't do on a comic panel shines through really well. Yeah. Hell, e- even just the opening credit sequence... Where, where like the couch looks like it's drifting further away from knives oh as she's that's becoming cool more and more infatuated you can see the stars in her eyes uh in, in the in the comics you know it's like seven to ten panels of that where you can just see the light growing in her eyes as she becomes more and more infatuated by this awesome mysterious older guy she just started dating uh but in the movies you get you can really feel it because like that's that's just the power of motion pictures right there.
1: Yeah. And and that's and you know what? Kudos. Fucking kudos to Edgar Wright for understanding what an actual good ad- adaptation is. If yeah. you cannot make something work better in that media, like oh god, what is what is the thing that I always fucking say? When you're adapting something, you need to do something that that medium can do that the medium you're adapting it from can't do. That is the one thing I feel like so many adaptations miss. Yeah,
0: you need to be able to to elevate the property using the media that you're adapting it
1: to. Which is why I think the Avatar The Last Airbender live-action series is a mistake. Full stop, flat out, beyond fucking Bryke leaving the project... It is a stupid idea, and I'm going to say that outright. I think it's stupid
0: because you already have... Which which reminds me, tune in next week for our discussion on Korra slash more Avatar.
1: Exactly. Um, Because it is a 2D animated series that utilizes everything about the fact that it's 2D animated to its full advantage. Uh, The elements, the bending, the spiritualism, the fight choreography, the wars, the scope, you cannot do that with a live-action TV series. You can't, and they won't. I assure you they cannot match the majesty, the choreography, the mysticism, the sheer just quality that that show did because of the nature of its production. So why make it? Why? Just wait. Just wait. Surprise twist directed by edgar wright oh my god okay i won't (laughs) lie i won't lie i would love to see that but there's just the only thing literally the only thing that a live action series could do is that since it's probably they're going to have to age the characters up it's probably going to be oriented more tvpg and then you'd probably end up being able to dive a little bit deeper into some subject matter that the series had to kind of skirt around I think that as a character piece, you could tell some interesting stories. You can even set it in the Avatar universe and still have it work. But trying to retell a story that was already told basically perfectly—that benefited heavily from its medium—I I think.
0: Uh, I feel like they'd benefit greatly if they actually focused on one of the previous Avatars, like Kiyoshi. Oh, oh yeah, I'd literally love every... to see. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see how she dealt with the fucking, like, conqueror that was trying to take over her world and actually dealing with that
1: as an actual arc. I would love... That'd be kind of
0: neat in a live-action sense because then you're not fucking with something that
1: people already love. Yeah, a movie all about Kyoshi? First of all, people have been saying, just make that, for fuck's sake. But second, like, yeah, that's a story we haven't seen. You could do something really cool with that. You could have a bunch of bender fights. It doesn't... Like, you could really make that work. (sighs) I don't know. It just, it bothers me because we don't need a retelling of the story that was already perfectly told. It, it just, it bugs the shit out of me. It's, it's that fucking, it's the Lion, it's Lion King syndrome all over again. You have enough power with that, uh, series that you could actually set a
0: different story. It, it's, it, it has that Star Wars-like nostalgic quality to it for this generation where you could do that. They just need to be able to take, they just need to be willing to take that risk.
1: I'm, I, you know, I'm still, I'm very curious, if, uh, if in the next ten years, we're gonna get a third Avatar season. Who knows? Our Hard series. To would is, you, season, okay, series.
0: question. Would you want it to go further into the future, or yes. would you want
1: it to be a prequel? Oh no! Trust me, I am 100. I, I, in my head, what I want is like this, 1980s meets like uh, 20, uh, 2000s. It would pr- probably be of- set in this like it would probably be, you know what yeah for
0: nostalgia's sake it would
1: probably be somewhere in the late '80s early '90s. But I wanted to have this steam cyberpunk mix where it's not like oh computers are running everything, but it's like Final Fantasy. I, I want Final Fantasy 7 levels of technology, and I want this. I wanted to be all all about this fucking little Earthbender kid who knows he's the avatar but wants nothing to do with it he's just into grunge metal and fucking like living his own life I just want to I want to see this story about like an avatar who is not bound to purpose but instead desperately wants away from it he's just trying to live his own fucking life I would love be interesting
0: it would be interesting to see a society where science has fine like I mean in Korra god damn it we're getting ahead of ourselves by a whole week
1: yeah it would be interesting
0: we'll we'll save this conversation because I have thoughts I have lots of thoughts on this. Uh, but, to, but to wrap this up, Scott Pilgrim, amazing. Check out the goddamn comic. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, why? It's on Netflix. Go watch it. I literally just watched it before we uh, did this. It is awesome. Uh, cross your fingers that the game gets re-released. Goddamn, this the series is amazing. I Do you have any final thoughts that
1: you want to drop out there on Scott Pilgrim? Scott Pilgrim came at the exact right moment in my life, and I don't know if I would have loved it as much if I had been five years older or younger. I don't know if it would have struck the chord with me that it did, but it left an amazing impact on my life. I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back to it and enjoy it as much as I did at that time, but I'll always appreciate uh, what it was to me then and what it is to me now. It's an amazing series, an amazing comic, an amazing movie, an amazing game, all with amazing soundtracks. I mean, yes, even the comic, it has an amazing soundtrack. It's in
0: your mind. Funny enough, the comic actually does give you guitar chords so you can play along with uh,
1: Sex bob That's really fantastic. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I gotta tell you guys, I love this. It's not really a franchise necessarily, but I love this story. I love these characters. I love everything about Scott Pilgrim. And I really hope that if you haven't given it a chance, that you will. Maybe you won't like it as much as I do. Uh, Maybe you won't like it at all. But give it a chance. It's so itself.
0: Anytime that uh, the Alamo Draft House would have a watch party for this and I was available, I would do my damnedest to go out and see it. God, I miss that theater. Not movie theaters in general. I miss the Alamo Draft House.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no, I I fuck theaters. I miss the Alamo Draft House. You're
0: right. (laughs) As, as a Texan, you're required to remember the Alamo. I remember that one. Yeah,
1: man. Yeah, and yeah, and I also I also love to go to those fucking watch parties. I will go to I will watch. If, yeah, I don't like rewatching movies. I have seen Scott Pilgrim seven times. Same.
0: Yeah, it's it's that good. It is like it's it's so incredibly rewatchable, and because of those little touches, you can kind of find a new thing almost every time you see it. I know. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, give it, give it a check out. Uh, what's, what's your favorite part of Scott Pilgrim? What's your favorite moment? What's your favorite character? How do you feel about it? Do you hate it? Why? Let us know, because we're always interested in hearing from you guys. We'll see you next time on the Talkcast Pod Show. Peace out.
1: Later.